Well, once again, welcome, folks. And uh, as Fliss mentioned, we are preaching through a series this autumn. In the, the autumn season, the autumn term, if you like, what we try and do is, is, is go deeper. And that expresses itself in a number of different ways. And we've had a, a variety of series, series in the past, and I'm sure you can find those on the, the website. But this is actually week three in this series called Deeper, Becoming a Fully Devoted Follower of Jesus. Uh, and let's just pray now. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy of this morning, but thank you too, Lord God, that you encourage us to draw close to you. We want to go deeper into Jesus. We want to know him and see him. And Lord, now we ask that as we consider this, that Lord, your Holy Spirit would, would make sense of, of these words of mine and apply them to each and every person here. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is week three, and the subject, the topic is growth. And, uh, you know, on one level, uh, growth is an easy thing to do. It's not if you're a, a seven-year-old boy. I remember my sister scathingly just saying to me once when I was about seven, she said, why don't you just grow up? And, as a, and for a seven-year-old, that is just the most scathing thing to say. You feel humiliated, you feel belittled, and all the rest of it. But actually, growth comes naturally. Healthy things grow, you know, and, and as a Christian, you know, there's a whole teaching on this. I'm not going to do this teaching, but as a Christian, we believe that uh, as you get healthy, as, as, you, as you get into Jesus, as you get into the faith, you become healthy, and health in it brings challenge because it's always a challenging thing once one begins to, you know, see oneself and see who God is, and, and, and with that challenge, you, you find yourself in the need of comfort, so you cling to Christ, and because you're clinging to Christ all the harder, you get healthier, which brings more change and comfort and challenge, and so it goes on, and it's kind of like a, a glorious spiral upwards out of the depths. And so, in one sense, growth comes naturally. But the, the truth is that I think for those of us who are no longer seven-year-old schoolboys, people like myself, if you like, maybe people like you too, when it comes to spiritual growth, it's actually more about training versus trying. Training versus trying. What do I mean by that? You know, growth comes naturally, but actually, you, you hit a wall. It's a bit like running the marathon at about 17 or 18 miles into the thing. Not that I know, I have to say, but I am told by people who do marathons, you hit a wall, and many people give up at that stage. But actually, it takes something else. It takes character. It takes perseverance. And it, it takes sheer gritting your teeth to push on through in order to come through a, a, to a new phase of growth. And it's been my experience as a, as a pastor for nearly 30 years now that, that Christians very often hit that wall. They begin well, full of enthusiasm and excitement, just absolutely thrilled with this whole new life. And then they hit a wall, and actually they don't push through. They, they don't kind of uh, you know, get into the training. They, 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 they just sort of try occasionally. Like you, you, know, you might try a new diet for a couple of days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do I get an amen on that? You know? But actually, I was struck a few weeks ago, maybe you were too, by a young man. Now, ladies, don't swoon. <gasps> oh, do you know who this is? This is Tom Daly, 16 years old. He came back from the Commonwealth Games with two, not one, but two gold medals for diving. And the, one of the dives he did was a perfect dive. 
It, got, it, it was one of those rare dives that he got maximum marks for the whole thing. And it basically won the event. An extraordinary thing, and there was a little kind of a program on the TV about him, and I was just struck by the incredible training he's in. He's doing his, you know, his GCSEs, and he did very well with those, but on top of that, he's up at five every morning, and he's got a psychologist guy helping him with his mental attitude. He's got, he's got somebody who's helping him with his technique. He's got somebody who's building up his body strength. He's, there's, a whole, there's a whole team, Tom Daly, you know? And you know, when I watch that, you know, I, I think, wow, that looks really cool, you know? And I think, boy, I'd love to do something. I used to enjoy swimming, I used to enjoy diving, you know? And I look at myself in the mirror, you know, and then I have a route around in my, my, side, you know, my, my dressing table, and I pull out my pair of Speedos and think, no, we'll forget about that, you know? <laughs> you know, and the, the fact of the matter is that for many of us, we're stirred by the grace and the strength and the vitality, but that's about as far as it gets. But I warrant, I warrant that there was some kid in Macclesfield, seven years of age, and he was sat with his family watching that, and he got really excited by Tom Daly and what he was doing. And the next thing you know, he's standing on the arm of the sofa and he's doing pretend dives onto the sofa, and the family's going, would, would, would you stop it? But something happened in that kid. And a few weeks later, his dad says, come on, let's go, you don't even know how to swim, let's go and get you to, to swim. And he swims and he's just got focus. And he's just, you know, he's, he's just a normal kid, but there's something about this swimming thing. But it's not enough for him. He learns how to swim. And then he starts doing bunny dives off the side. But it's not enough for him. And he grows up and he becomes a, an adolescent and then a teenager. And by now, the whole family is coming around the child. And he's training and training and training. And maybe not in 2012, but in the next Olympics, there'll be a kid, a Tom Daly, a 16-year-old, who will do astoundingly well. And will say, when interviewed afterwards, he said, well, I was about seven years old and there was this guy called Tom Daly on the television. I saw him do this incredible dive. And there was something about it. I just had to fly like he flew. I had to try. I had to train. And that's the secret of my success. You see, some of us will see that and we'll go, oh, yeah, that was nice. We may sort of join the gym. We may go down to the club. We may nip out during our lunch hour if we work in the city and go to some pool there and do a few lengths. But that's more about trying. We have to train. We have to get serious about this whole growth thing. In fact, the scriptures pick this up in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul, the apostle, the great church planter and, and, and apologetic and theologian, he, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Don't shilly-shally, don't drift along. Don't be carried along by the crowd. Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get a crown that will, and they get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. The, the, the ancient fathers in the faith knew that this faith thing doesn't just happen. Growth is encouraged and channeled and, and, and we are forced, if you like, into growth as we train. Now, with that thing, this has already done a plug, you may have gone three weeks now without getting this book. I would love it if the whole church was doing this. Five pounds, five areas of, of growth. You can do it on your own, you can do it with a friend, you can do it in the life groups. And there are basically five G's just to try and help us memorize these things. We've had two of them. We're on the second of the G's now. Last week we had grace when Rick told us about grace and how God's grace undergirds us. How God has included us. How God is for us and not against us. How God is in the water with us, not on the side of the pool shouting through some huge megaphone. A wonderful message unpacked in this book. This week we're looking at growth. And I would encourage you when you're thinking about growth to, to be real about your, your, your status and your, you know, where you are on this, this, this uh, whole journey. They did some research in the States. It always seems to be in the States, but they did some research amongst 700,000. This was a very, very big study. They did some research amongst 700,000 uh, high school students, you know, secondary school students. And they were asked a number of questions. And it was all about social interaction. How were they growing in their ability to relate to others? And they were asked to, to mark themselves. Were they above average, you know, in the top 50%? Or were they below average, the bottom 50%? In getting on well with people. Now, of course, for a teenager, that's incredibly important. You know, we, the, the whole peer thing is very important. So it was a crucial question they asked. You know, are you above average in your ability to get on with other people, or are you below average? 700,000 students. Guess what the results were? Every single one of the 700,000 students said they were above average in their ability to get on with people. Not one, zero, said that they were below average in getting on with people. Now, whatever you may think about that, sociologists looked at this, and they, they talk about a self-serving bias. We view the, the world in a way that looks, where we cast ourselves in a favorable light. Now clearly that, that research about the 700,000 students cannot be true. Anyone who has done any youth work whatsoever will know the ruckuses, the relational torment, the, the, the debris, the difficulty of working with teenagers and as they kind of spark one another off and they fall out and they fall in and do this kind of thing. But the perception was that I'm doing quite well. But that's something that is part of what sociologists call a self-serving bias. We all see ourselves, we cast ourselves in a good light. And I want to ask this question, how are you doing spiritually? Are you, are you working the plan? Are you in the program? Or are you like me saying, well, you know, you know, 
I'm not Mother Teresa, but I'm certainly above average. How are you doing? You may know that you're in a desperate state. You may need to think about what you are doing other than just coming to church on a Sunday. What are you doing to foster your spiritual growth? One of the things that I've really been challenged about in this passage, it was interesting, Denise Gray, the, the first person to preach on this book, said that she was profoundly challenged and she had to take some practical uh, uh, you know, means some practical things in response to this thing. I am profoundly challenged about the growth thing here. And, and the thing that is challenging me is the, the, the desire for solitude, the need for solitude. Boy, my life doesn't have much solitude in it. And I dare say yours doesn't either. There's something about modern life that seems to mitigate against it. And isn't it curious how these things happen? But as if the Lord wanted to press this home to me, I found myself, one of you guys recommended it to me. I found myself watching a a program called The Big Silence. Did anyone else see it by any chance? Wow. Uh, Essentially, I mean, it's still on iPlayer. It's where ordinary men and women, some with faith, some without faith, in fact, most without faith, went away to a a monastery, an Ignatian retreat house in, in Wales for eight days. And it's extraordinary what happens. And the first three or four days, whether they had faith or didn't have faith, they all seem to go through an agony as, as it were, as the, the scaffolding of their lives was stripped away. The texting, the telephones, the internet, the, the television, the music, the continual and incessant chatter and just the stuff we fill our lives with so that we don't have to face the awfulness of the silence. I feel challenged about that. I feel so challenged, I'm going away on a 36 hour retreat tomorrow. Please pray for me. I am scared witless when everything gets switched off and I'm just staring into the mirror or worse still, into the darkness asking, is there anybody there? You know, I thought long and hard about this, this talk, knowing that I wouldn't, that, that there, there was always more, there's always more that I could say. But actually, I, I decided we would do something. It's in, in part response to, to popular request. A few weeks ago, we, we showed a DVD, which, uh, just a, a short film called Be Here Now. And we're gonna do that again in these last 10 minutes of the service. And what I, what I realized about this was that although it's full of noise and, and image, actually what the DVD, what the film was trying to do was what silence does oh so well in an extended period of time. We were encouraged to enter into something, into a moment, into a shared experience just for seven minutes where we put aside the things that haunt us or help us where we begin to press on in, in the interest of personal growth into the presence of the living God. So just sit back, get yourself comfortable whether you're in faith or out of faith, whether you know God or don't know God. Just do your soul a favor. Just for a few minutes before it's all donuts and goodness knows what. Just calm yourself, center yourself, 
and see if you can engage with the living God. Thanks, guys, and if the band can join me, thank you.